Employment Hour, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Ready to go for another week. Uh, so you need a lawyer to help resolve your wrongful dismissal claim. We will get to that in some emails during the show today, of course. And uh, first, we always start with the uh, the week that was. Brother, how are you doing? Good, John. I've right. uh, I've been uh, really busy, actually. I've been, uh, you know, as the weather improves, uh, we're we're getting busier talking with a lot of people that have uh, heard the show, watched our TV show, uh, and want to ask questions about their workplace rights. And I can't tell you how many times I get uh, calls from people that say, you know, I've been listening to you for a while, never thought I would need you, and right. then all of a sudden something happens. Uh, well, my hope is that when something happens, you'll actually have some knowledge already because you listen to the mm-hmm. show, so you won't be taken aback. You'll know something about your rights. You'll know about what to do. But of course, never, ever hesitate. Call me. Let's talk about your workplace problem. Let's talk about the unexpected thing that happened. Uh, Maybe you were uh, not expecting to lose your job, but it happened. Or maybe you were not expecting for your job to change or to suffer from a medical condition. Whatever happens, let's talk about it. Let's make sure that your rights are protected and preserved. That's what it's all about. That's what we do on this show. And that's what I do every day uh, in my office when I'm not here on the show. So with that all said, let's uh, talk about a couple situations that came across my desk just over the past few days. Uh, I spoke uh, with a, a gentleman who had, uh, was a machine operator and worked for the same company for 10 years. And this started off like a very simple severance review for mm-hmm. me. He was let go uh, and he was offered 20 weeks pay. He wanted to know whether that was appropriate. Spoiler alert, no, it wasn't even close. He was owed close to 12 months, 62-year-old uh, guy. So 20 weeks was very inadequate. Uh, and, you know, we, we finished the conversation, and then it wasn't until I spoke to him again when I said, okay, here's what we're going to do to resolve your case, that he mentioned the word overtime first for right. the first time. And what I, what I understood to have happened is that for 10 years, John, for 10 years, this guy had never gotten paid overtime, even though he worked it regularly. He had worked easily anywhere from 48 to 50, uh, even as much as 55 hours every week, pretty much for 10 years, never got overtime. Wow. And I asked him, well, why? Didn't you ask for it? Didn't your boss not say something? He said, well, no, I'm, I'm on a salary, so I, I wouldn't get paid overtime. Uh, not so fast. Uh, it literally is what I said to him. But yeah, you do get overtime. You're a machine operator. It doesn't matter if you're on a salary or in an hourly rate. You have to get paid overtime. Mm-hmm. Not only do you get paid, you get paid anything over 44 hours a week. So here's the thing. Uh, the, the good news is that he could still go back and recover overtime. The bad news is he can only go back two, two years. years right? yeah. So he's 10 years of unpaid overtime, but we calculated for him over two years, we're talking close to $15,000 wow. in overtime. So not only now am I going to help him get his severance, because again, he was offered 20 weeks pay, it should have been 12 months pay. Uh, but uh, beyond that, he's owed this unpaid overtime now. So I wanted to bring this up here to remind people of two things. Number one, Overtime, very simple. You have to get it paid if you work more than 44 hours a week unless you're a manager, which is exempt. Doesn't matter if you're hourly. Doesn't matter if you're salary. You still get paid time and a half for anything over 44 hours a week. And number two is when you do lose your job, you really want to get that legal advice because you don't know sometimes what else you may be owed. It may not be as simple as, oh, I'm just owed another month's pay or two months or 10 months. There could be other things owed to you. Always important to get that legal advice. Always important for you to, uh, to to give me a call, call me, email me, and let's talk about it. Uh, in this case, for him, beyond the severance, John, that's another $15,000. Some salaried employees now are thinking, okay, I got the salary, but I hear the hourly thing, so how am I calculating it if I'm on salary? Which is part of the reason why they think they don't get it, probably. Yeah, so it's very simple. You simply look at what you earn in a week. $500 a week, $1,000 a week, whatever it is you earn in a week, and that's good for 40, uh, 44 hours. You divide that weekly salary by 44. Right. That gives you an hourly rate. 
time and a half is anything over 44 hours. Very simple. You grab a calculator, you could do that in 30 seconds. That's how you do it. So you get paid overtime, even if you're on salary. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. And of course, Employment Hour in 30 happens on your TV, on Global TV and CTV on your uh, on your weekend mornings. What else you got going on? So I spoke with another person. He was also in a machine operator type of, uh, of, of a role, a very physical role, but he had suffered from a medical condition. And as a result of that medical condition, he was able to go back to work, but on modified duties. Yep. For him, the modified duties mean he couldn't do physical work, but only for a period of time, a few weeks, and then gradually get back to his physical role. So he needed more in an office or administrative position. When when he told his employer that, they, they looked at him like he fell from the sky. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the machine operator guy. You're going to work in an office? Uh, they wouldn't consider. They even talk about it. They thought it was absurd and ridiculous. Uh, and he was very frustrated with that. He wanted mm-hmm. to get back to work. Uh, he he didn't have a long-term disability or short-term, dis- short-term disability plan. He needed the income. So he called me and he wanted to know, is this right? Well, no, it's not right. It's exactly what I told him. Your employer has to accommodate. And in some cases, that may mean taking away the physical aspects of your job so that you can do your work, making you, uh, putting you in an administrative position if possible. Now, in some cases, the company literally can't do that. There's no administrative position that's available, and then they may not have to do it. But not to look at it, not to consider it, to dismiss it offhand, they can't do that. That's a human rights violation. So what I'm going to do with this company is I'm going to send them a a very nicely worded Mm -hmm. letter from me, very kindly and and, uh, professionally reminding them of their obligations. Hopefully they'll accommodate. And I want to remind everyone here that you're owed accommodation if you need modified duties, modified hours, do changes to your job because of a medical condition. As long as you have your doctor's support, the onus and the burden is on the company to try to find you that role. Good warm-up. Just getting started. Take a short break. Get some emails and uh, a lot of other content here. Stick around for it. It's 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmenthour.com. Employment Hour right here on Global News Radio. Number to reach out to the Employment Hour anytime, 1-855-821-5900. You want to know what you're owed? Simple. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com takes 30 seconds. There's no charge. It's anonymous. Check it out while we uh, continue on here for this hour. And Employment Hour in 30 happens on Global TV and CTV on weekends uh, mornings as well. We are all over the place. So you need a lawyer to help resolve your wrongful dismissal claim. How does that work? So, uh, John, a lot of what I do is I speak with people that, that lose their job. Uh, you know, I would say that probably the majority of what I do. Uh, so losing your job is a difficult time. It's, it's a time where you're, you're concerned about income, you're concerned about paying your bills. Uh, there's, there's ego oftentimes involved. There's hurt feelings if sure. you lose your job. And, and my role as, as an employment lawyer uh, and people like me that do this job is to make sure that your rights are protected and that you get everything that you're owed if you lose that mm-hmm. job. So uh, I want to talk a bit in the next uh, segment or two on how that works. What happens if you call me if you lose your job, if you're looking at a severance package, if you've been wrongfully dismissed? How does that process work? What do I do? How do I help you? And and the process itself, what that looks like. So Because a lot of people are concerned about getting that advice. Sure. So we want to try to demystify that process uh, right now. First question, two parts. Uh, what is a wrongful dismissal? Because that's obviously a legal term. And then when should you contact a lawyer? So a wrongful dismissal, despite what the name suggests. The name suggests that I was let go for maybe a wrong reason. 
Well, no. Unfortunately, remember the rule that an employer is allowed to let you go pretty much for any reason as long as severance is paid. So what is a wrongful dismissal? A wrongful dismissal is a situation where you've been let go without either sufficient severance or sufficient notice. So even though the the reason could be completely legitimate, if you haven't gotten proper severance, you've been wrongfully dismissed. It comes down to compensation. could be the most legitimate reason. They they Mm -hmm. shut down the department and everyone's gone. You can still be and often are wrongfully dismissed if you don't, you don't get proper severance. Now, I've said this on the show many times, 90% of people, at least 90% of people, are offered a lot less severance than what they're owed. So about 90% of people are wrongfully dismissed. Right. So when should you get, get advice? As soon as you're let go. Or sometimes even if you think you know, you're, gonna, you're going to be let go may be a good time, but definitely, once you have that severance letter in hand, now we have to figure out wh- whether you've been wrongfully dismissed. We have to figure out what you're owed. That's when you call. This is different if it's a uh, human rights thing. It's not a wrongful dismissal. It's They can't do it in that case. Right? Well, they can't in, just in let you go. In some situations, they could be both. You could right. be let go for the wrong reason. In other words, a discriminatory reason. Right. Maybe I'm letting you go because of your age. Uh, and you could get not enough severance, so it's a wrongful dismissal. Or it could be separate things. And maybe the mm-hmm. employer failed to accommodate, which is not a wrongful dismissal. Those things could go together or they could be separate. But the general rule that unless you've been discriminated against, you can be let go pretty much for any reason Example, the boss wants to hire their brother or right. they they are unreasonable in their demands. Whatever it Just is. It's not a good fit. Not a good fit, even yeah. if you disagree with it. They can let you go as long as they pay you severance. So someone calls your office or talking to you, maybe one of your colleagues. Uh, during that uh, consultation, what happens? So what we're trying to understand is, first of all, get some history of employment. We want to understand the length of service. We want to understand the job, the compensation of the person, uh, You know how senior a position they have. Find out a bit about the company. Because all those things help us assess how much the person should be owed, what the law says the person should have. Uh, And we we try to understand whether the person was let go for cause. In other words, did they do something so bad that deprives them of compensation or without cause? And ultimately, our job, before I even know what the company's offered you, I want to be able to provide an assessment myself of here's what you are owed. You're owed 12 months pay, 18 months pay, whatever it is, you know, with your bonus, without your bonus. I provide that assessment. Once I have that, once I've provided that assessment, now I would look at what the person has actually been offered and compare the two. So you're owed 18 months pay. Unfortunately, they only offered you 10 months pay, so they owe you the difference. So during that conversation, during that initial consultation, I'm going to assess how much you're owed. I'm going to talk to you about what they've offered you, and then we'll form a plan of action to resolve it. That's the idea. Let's assess and let's put a plan into place to resolve. I bet you the first part of that phone call or consultation is getting them over the bucket of water in the face. It was, how dare they let me go? How can they do this? They can't do this. Yeah, More than half the people that I spoke to, even though it could be a simple termination, are concerned about the reasons they they were let go because they don't feel they're legitimate. And I always turn them back to the issue of severance. And again, not because that's what I'm interested in. That's because that's what the law can do. The law can't help you with the employer making them a better person or more ethical person. The, the only thing the law can do is make sure that you get proper severance. So I always focus on the severance because that's really the, the important legal issue. They've spoken to you. It's determined you have a case. Uh, what are the, what's the next step? So the next step is to form a plan of action to resolve this, this matter. Now, in the vast majority of cases, the way we would approach this is we would, we would take the, the less aggressive uh, approach, mm-hmm. at least initially, and we do that by sending a demand letter. So I would send the, com- the company a demand letter saying, I've been retained by this employee. I understand that they've been let go. Here's what they're owed, and here's what you've offered them. And then I would make certain demands for improvement. 
during that process, I would ask probably for a bit more than what the person should be getting because I understand this is going to be a negotiation. Yep. Uh, so I want to give ourselves some room to negotiate and then engage the company in that type of a negotiation. So that's the first approach. That's kind of step one. If I determine that someone has been wrongfully dismissed, they're owed some compensation, is I want to engage the company in a discussion, in a negotiation to try to resolve that matter without having to fight too hard. And in the vast majority of cases, John, that works quite well. When you have an employee that doesn't want to resolve that simply, we'll get to that after a short break. one 821 5900 and help at employmenthour.com. It's the Employment Hour, Global News Radio. Right back at it, one 821 5900 and it is severancepaycalculator.com. You'll want to reach out anytime on your own. As a matter of fact, find out what you should be owed as far as severance is concerned. you want to throw us an email, that is help at employmenthour.com as well. Talking about the uh, wrongful dismissal claim, uh, getting that going, getting what's owed to you. So um, you're talking about resolving the matter. You'll send a nice letter off the top, letting the company know what their obligations are, what their legal obligations are. What happens if uh, you know they refuse? They don't want to be reasonable. So in the vast majority of cases, I'm going to say maybe 80%, we can resolve it just like that. I'm going to send mm-hmm. a letter. Uh, they're going to respond. We're going to negotiate back and forth and resolve it. And that doesn't take long. It's not complicated uh, and, and pretty straightforward. In some cases... The company is not reasonable or we can't come to an understanding, come to an agreement. And, you know, we may feel that the person is owed 18 months. The company is now willing to pay more than 12 months. uh, Or maybe there's something else that complicates the matter. So what happens in that situation? Well, if we've we've tried our first approach with the demand letter, it's time to go back to our, our, our drawer and get another tool. In this case, it's to start a claim, to start legal action against the company for wrongful dismissal. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the common term is lawsuit, but, you know, the, the actual term is a, a legal claim. And we would start a claim, start a legal process, which now requires the company to deal with it. They can't ignore it. And it's a process that allows us to force certain things to happen to make sure that the person gets what they're owed. So how does that resolution start and what kind of time frame are you looking at? So pe- when people hear about a claim, they immediately think of the idea of, of going to court. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I'm going to court. I don't want to go to court. I want to go to court. So, so let's be very clear. Going to court has nothing to do with starting a claim. Starting a claim is a process. It's like, you know, if, if you're going to see the doctor, it doesn't mean you're going to be going for surgery, right? right? You could in some situations go to surgery, but that doesn't mean just because you're going to the doctor, you're going to go for surgery. Same thing with starting a claim. It's, a start, it's the beginning of a process where at some point, at the end of that process, there's the possibility of going to court. But that is highly and extremely unlikely. Only 1% or 2% of cases of actual claims result in going to court. It's unlikely, uh, especially in employment law. So these matters resolve. They settle. Oftentimes, as soon as the claim is started, uh, we engage in the company or the company's lawyer in a discussion, and we resolve it very quickly. Uh, other times, we attend something called a mediation. Mm-hmm. Probably the majority of claims resolve with mediation. A mediation is a step where uh, myself and my client meet with the company and their lawyer with a neutral mediator to try to resolve the case. But 90% of, of those cases that go to mediation resolve with mediation. Point is, there's a number of opportunities to resolve and settle the case, to settle the claim. So even though we may have started formal legal action, it does not mean going to court, not even close. It means we will resolve it. Uh, and in terms of timeline, now if we can resolve a matter with a demand letter, you're probably looking at about three weeks 
On average, with the claim, you're probably looking at three to four months. So that's kind of the length of process if we're starting legal action. But I don't want people to be scared of, of this idea of going to court. That is rare and extremely unlikely. Well, for the company, it costs time and money. I mean, they got to get their lawyers involved. They're just putting off the inevitable, really. Right? And you know, if we're starting a claim, it means we're pretty darn certain right. that we're right. right. I'm not going to start a claim like, oh, maybe. No, no. I'm going to start a claim if I think, yes, the person is owed compensation. That's what the law says. So it's usually not that complicated. And and the company oftentimes plays hardball in the beginning because they want to see, well, wait a second. I, I don't know if, if John yeah. here really is going to go for it. Is he really going to hold us to task, so to speak? Once they see that you're serious, they'll want to resolve it. Uh, and it doesn't make sense for them to fight something that they're going to lose at the end of the day. Right. That's why these cases settle. They resolve fairly quickly and on good terms. Saying that, I guess a numbers thing, how often are you successful on behalf of employees? So, you know, John, it's, it's, it's really hard for me to, to look at a percentage because I, I can't think of a time when we actually ultimately weren't successful in, in negotiating proper resolution of, mm-hmm. of a wrongful dismissal case. Now, if it happens, usually it's because uh, there's a, something we didn't know about. Like, you know, I had once a case where I found out after we started a claim that the person was actually stealing from the company. Yeah, that's not good. That's not going to work. No, no it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good to be able to get that person <laughs> compensation. Or I found out later that there was a contract that the person signed that limited their entitlements. But bottom line is, in almost every case, whether we resolve it with a demand letter or with a legal action, we're able to resolve it on good terms. We're able to resolve it quickly. So people shouldn't be worried about the process, okay? It's a straightforward process, and it's a process that's designed to allow you to settle, to resolve without having to go anywhere near a courtroom. All good information, people have been listening, but you know the one question they still have in their heads, what's it going to cost me? That's it. And, and that is always the question. So, so far, so good, Leroy. I understand the process. I understand what you're doing. I understand what I'm, I'm owed, but how much is it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, John. Usually uh, people that lose their job are concerned about money. They should be because they don't have income coming. So I understand that. We understand that. So because of that, usually we have several options for people to to pay. One of them is a contingency basis when we're only going to recover a percentage of whatever we get for you over and above what you've already been offered. Mm -hmm. There's an hourly rate. So depending on the case and depending on the situation, there's various options. I can't tell you a price, but what I can tell you is legal fees, regardless of what you choose, hourly rate or percentage, they're not much, number one. And in almost every case, we negotiate with the company to compensate the person for legal fees, if not for all of them, then for a good part of those legal fees. Well, yeah, well, it doesn't make it, it makes no sense to be expensive because they just lost their job. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I have never said, hey, uh, for me to even look at you and talk to you, uh, you need to give me a $3,000 retainer. Haven't done it, will never do it. Uh, it makes no sense to do that. So we try to do whatever we can to help the person so that they can get the compensation that they're owed. So don't be afraid of legal fees. It's certainly worth uh, making a call and discussing what you're owed. This situation you just got yourself into, we'll tell you the first steps, how to resolve it from all the stuff we just talked about. 1-855-821-5900 and help at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show is on the way on Global News Radio. 1-855-821-5900, help at employmenthour.com. If you have not checked it out yet, find out what severance should be, the proper amount, what you're owed, your entitlement, severancepaycalculator.com. So we've heard all about the wrongful dismissal claim. It is wrong. You're owed more. We hire you. You uh, you play ball with the uh, the company. So go back to the beginning. You lost your job. You've just been walked out. Say it was this past Friday. What do you do? Well, obviously, first thing, make sure you get all the, all the stuff that you have, get your personal belongings, uh, you know, say your goodbyes, but then it's time to kind of get down to business. You're going to have a letter in front of you that outlines what the company says they're going to mm-hmm. pay you. 
and as I said before, 90% of the time, and I'm, I'm being generous here, by the way, 90% of the time, uh, it's that offer that outlined in that letter is completely inadequate. So what are you going to do? First thing you do is you grab your, your smartphone, your tablet, wh- whatever works, and you go to severancepaycalculator.com and find out whether or not what they've offered you is actually adequate. And you'll, you'll be surprised when you find out, oh, no, no, it's not even close to being adequate. It's half maybe of what I'm owed. Right. Once you do that, you can contact me. You can contact me directly from the, the severancepaycalculator.com website, or you can call me, you can email me. At that point, let's talk. So don't, don't freak out. Uh, don't sign off on that letter. I know there's a lot of pressure, and you, you're, you're, there's a deadline. Oh, my God, I have to scare sign this tactic. by the deadline. Friday, Thursday, Monday, whatever that deadline is. Exactly. It's a scare tactic. It's a pressure tactic. It's meaningless. Your rights don't expire then. Get the right advice. Again, if, if you don't like anything I'm saying here, then don't talk to me. That's fine. Talk to another employment lawyer. That's okay. But you have to do that. Uh, otherwise, you'll find out when it's too late that you walked out and you missed out on the rights that you had. When it comes to employment law, there are rules of thumb every employee must know. We'll get to those here in a moment. But I just I want to get to an email that just came in. By the way, help at employmenthour.com. Kyle says, is eight months, eight months severance enough for a 60-year-old salesperson with 15 years of service. Well, you know what I can tell them? Of course it's not. And, yeah. and easy to find out. You go to severancepaycalculator.com, and, and it's not even close. The the Probably the more appropriate amount is about 14 months of payers what he'd be owed. So another six months over uh, and above what he's been offered. Uh, and that would represent a very common situation, pretty much what I would expect. If he came to me and said, I've been there for 15 years, guess, Lior, what they've offered me. I would have guessed probably eight months. Uh, because it's it's bad and and but it's not so bad that most people are are gonna be suspicious about. It. They may think, oh, eight months sounds good, when in fact it should be owed another six months pay. So no, it's not good. It's not close. Call me or go to severancepaycalculator.com and please, whatever you do, don't accept eight months of severance when you're owed fourteen. Now, Kyle, he says here in the email, he's a salesperson, so it's very likely it's more than just his compensation, right? Good call. Yeah, right. many sales salespeople are uh, have commission either as their entire compensation, or at least for a portion of their compensation, and commissions are included. It's not just base salary. And if you're on average, you know, in a year, let's say you make uh, $40,000 in commissions, then that figure has to be included in calculating your severance. Sometimes commission does change from uh, week to week, month to month, year to year. Sure. So we look at an average. It's, it's that simple. Depending how long you've worked there, if you've worked there for a year, we'll look at that one-year average. If you've been there for 20 years, we'll probably look at a three-year average. So we look at an average, we calculate that, and not only commissions, bonuses, car allowance, right. benefits, RSP contributions, pension contributions, all that has to be included in severance. It's not just your salary. Rules of every uh, rules of thumb that every employee must know. Number one, the law is your friend. It's on your side. It is your when friend. it comes to employment law. Now, I, I, I'm not always going to say that about every area of law. When it comes to employment law, the law is your friend. The law is designed on the basis that it, the law understands that there's an inequality of power between right. employee and employer. It's not an equal relationship. The employer has more power. So what does the law do? The law tries to even out the playing field by providing good laws, uh, by having laws that protect the employees and give the employees a lot of rights. So remember that. The laws on your side. Oftentimes people don't seek legal advice. They don't pursue their entitlements because they think, well, there must be nothing that I can do. Uh, I'm sure there's no legal solution to my problem. Hmm. No, not the case. In most situations, the law is on your side when it comes to employment law. So don't hesitate. Let's find out. Let's talk about your situations. Find out how the law can help you. That's why you have to reach out. Another employment law rule of thumb. In fact, this one's good enough for life uh, when it comes to you know signing bills of sale, employment contracts. 
prenuptials. What? Uh, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm sure you're not talking uh, from personal no, experience of there. Not, no. But but yeah, th- that is that is my rule of thumb, and that is a rule of thumb that I I uh, abide by, and I mm-hmm. encourage everyone to abide by. And that is, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. To, to enforce and preserve your legal rights, you want everything important to be in writing. Uh, and and you're, you're not, it's not always going to be as neat and tidy that someone else puts it in writing for you. If that happens, that's great. Sometimes you're going to have to be the one putting it in writing. Something was said to you at work. Well, it's verbal. It's not in writing. Well, put it in writing. Write an email to someone confirming what was said. Uh, if someone made a promise to you and you want to make sure that, that they can right. be held to that promise, Put that in writing. Say, so, yeah, you're going to get a promotion next year. Well, put that in writing. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. There's no right. such promise. Uh, if you've been, uh, if you had a discussion with your uh, HR manager about uh, how the boss is treating you, again, you don't want there to be a, a he said, she said down the road. Put that in writing. I had a discussion with you. I told you about these issues. You told me you're going to investigate. For example. Put that all in writing. Everything has to be in writing. Uh, it's as go- also a good idea to have some sort of a, a, ju- a journal or a diary or some sort of a pad of paper where you just write things for yourself uh, at the same time as they happen. That gives you credibility, and it's going to help preserve your rights when the time comes to it. Lots more of those coming up. Take a short break and more emails as well. Help at employmenthour.com, 1-855-821-5900, and always severancepaycalculator.com as well. More of the Employment Hour is just ahead. Stick around right here on Global News Radio. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com and Employment Hour thirty on your TV, global TV and CTV on your uh, weekend mornings as well. I want to go back to the rules of thumb? Every employee must know. The next one is there is no such thing as quote unquote job security. Love that term. Yeah, it really comes down to or comes back to what I said earlier in the show, and that is you can be let go. Uh, you don't have security in the sense that, hey, just because you're a senior employee and you're doing a good job, that means you have a job for life. You know, unfortunately, gone are the days where people stay at the same place from the beginning of their career to the end of their career. It almost never happens. Your employer can let you go for any reason. Your employer can let you go at any time. You have to be mindful of that. So what does that mean? That means that when you begin a job, you want to be very clear about the terms you're negotiating. You don't want to have a term there that allows them to let you go with very little compensations. Employers often use that. We call that a termination clause. They use a termination clause in an employment agreement that limits or tries to limit your future severance. Well, you may not care about it because you think, well, I'm not planning on ever being let go. I'm going to be here for forever. I have job security. No, there isn't job security. You can be let go, unfortunately, for any reason and at any time. And you don't want to find out later that because you didn't pay close enough attention to your employment agreement, you just lost out on $80,000 in severance. Seen it happen? Seen it happen every week. So don't let that happen to you. There's no such thing as job security, but there are laws to protect you that, that ensure that if you are let go, even though you've done nothing wrong, you get the compensation that you're owed. You get enough compensation to allow you to continue looking for a job and allow you the time you need to find another job. Employment law rules of thumb. More of those on the way. Danielle just wrote in a help at employmenthour.com. Says, I work at a chiropractor office and a new doctor is about to buy the practice. The doctor I'm working for has said to all employees that if we don't go to work for the new doctor, then we resign. Is that correct? No. The doctor doesn't get to decide when you resign. There's only one person in the world that can decide if you resign or not, and that is you, the employee. No one can tell you you've resigned. No one can decide for you if you've resigned. Uh, No one can force a resignation. So what does that mean for for a sale of a business? doesn't matter if it's a doctor or any other business. If a business is sold, you have the option if you want to treat that sale as a termination and not continue working and get your severance. Now, 
if you have a good reason as to why you're doing that, you're going to get your full severance. And by good reason, what I mean is maybe that's a very different job, less pay, or maybe it's a lesser position, or maybe they're relocating you, giving you different hours, whatever it is. You have a good reason, you're going to be owed your full severance. If you don't have a good reason, you just say, you know, I don't want to go work for this new company. I'm just going to go, I don't know, back to school. Yeah. That's fine. You're still going to get severance, but you're not going to get your full severance. You're only going to get a part, your minimum entitlements, and that's fine. Either way, it's not a resignation. Either way, it's a termination. Either way, you're owed severance. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And of course, if you are going to continue working, in this case, the chiropractor that bought the practice, if you're going to continue working in this case with the chiropractor, remember that 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 new chiropractor inherits your service. So if you had 20 years with the previous doctor and then you started working with a new doctor that just bought the practice, on day one, you're a 20-year employee. Nice. And that's especially important when it comes down the road to to seniority and severance. If you're let go down the road, at that point, you're going to get full severance based on your total years of service. So very, very important to understand those things when it comes to a sale of a business. And if anyone ever forces a resignation on you, remember, that's illegal. You get on the phone and you call me. 1-855-821-5900 is that number. We're talking about the rules of thumb that every employee must know. If you take nothing from this show, take this next point and uh, keep it in the vault forever. You think um, you have to assume severance is always inadequate. You Just assume. To. Yeah, and, and by the way, if you're a betting man and, and there was a, a casino uh, or some other bookie taking a, a, a bets in terms of yeah. is the severance uh, adequate or not, you would yeah. go and bet, bet on house. it being inadequate every time, uh, yeah. five days during the week and four times on weekends because it's, it's going to happen. Uh, virtually in every situation, severance is inadequate. It's, it's a statistical fact. I have 16 years of doing this, and I have 22 lawyers in my office, so we've literally reviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of severance packages over this period of time. And I can tell you, you know, if we see an offer that's adequate, we're, we're surprised. And yeah, we, you frame it, put it up we, on the wall. We frame it. We, we call each other and say, can you believe what I saw today? I saw yeah. a severance offer that was good. So you have to assume, and the reason why I say you have to assume that is because if you assume that it's uh, inadequate, the next step is obvious. Yeah. The next step is clear. You have to get some advice. You have to do something about it. If you assume it's inadequate, you know that na- that's a problem. Anything that's inadequate is not good, so you have to do something about it. So always assume that maybe you're working for a great company. Maybe you're working for a company you've known for years. Maybe your boss is your personal friend. That's great. That's wonderful. You still have to take care of yourself and your family. You have to assume that it's inadequate. And hey, if down the road, once you get that advice, it turns that it was good, then you're a happy guy. Nothing to worry about. But always assume it's inadequate. Go to severancepaycalculator.com. Call me. Call another employment lawyer. Uh, Do something to make sure that you don't accept something that's inadequate. As an employee, these are the rule of thumbs you must know. So stick around. A few more of those to go, and we'll get to another email or two. That is help at employmenthour.com. The phone number, one 855 2-1-5900. Employment Hour on Global News Radio. one 855 Want to find out what your road takes about 30 seconds free of charge. Really simple to use. Over uh, half a million people have done it already and had their eyes opened up indeed. You want to send an email along, help at employmenthour.com. Bill uh, writes in before we get back to our rules of thumb, says, I'm on a sick leave and my employer is asking me to get a note from my doctor explaining exactly what my mental condition is prognosis, diagnosis, all that stuff. Can they do that? Well, obviously, this is an employer that doesn't listen to our show. No. Because I've said on the show many times, you cannot ask 
for diagnosis. You cannot ask what is the condition, mm-hmm. uh, what is the ailment, uh, what treatment you're getting. I understand the curiosity. I understand even employers thinking that they should have this information. But no, they cannot ask that. That's that's information that the law says is private, it's personal, and the employer has uh, no business asking for it. The employer should not be asking what is your medical condition? Are you suffering from a bad back? Did you mm-hmm. break your arm? Is it depression? Whatever it is, no. It's something that is personal and private. An employer should be asking and can ask if it wants to know more about your prognosis. Hey, how long are you going to be off work? Uh, is it going to be a day, a week, a month? Should we, uh, should we plan to replace you? Should yeah, they've got to run a business. Wait? Exactly. We've yeah. got to run the business. They can even ask about, wait a second, are you going to need some accommodation when you're ready to come back to work? Are you going to be able to just come right back or are you going to need some help, uh, modified duties, modified hours? Are you going to come mm-hmm. back to work gradually or just right at the same time? Those are legitimate things that an employer can ask about to understand what to do and how to run its business. But they, they cannot ask about the, the diagnosis. And in this particular case, that email, the employee is well within uh, his rights to say, no, I'm not going to give you this information. If you, wanna, if you have specific questions about my return to work, please ask them and I'll get you the, the answers from my doctor. But beyond that, you can say no. You cannot be punished. You cannot be fired for it. You cannot be threatened. You haven't resigned if yeah. you don't provide that information. It's improper, John. The rules of thumb, every employee must know. The next one here, it, it, it has to do with your spidey sense. If you think you're about to lose your arm, well, chances are you're probably right. Yeah, you are. I, I, I get a lot of calls from people that have not been let go, but they, they say it's coming down. I, I'm pretty sure it's happening. And if if uh, you're getting that uh, sense, you're probably right. Most of the times when people say that to me, they're right. So why, do I, why am I bringing this up? Because if you believe you're going to be let go, let's, let's plan for that. Uh, let's make sure we have all the right documents in place, your employment agreement, uh, your performance review documents. If there's a bonus plan document, mm-hmm. an employee handbook, let's be prepared. Let's have that handy, okay? You may want to even start working on your resume. You may want to put some feelers out there. Be ready for when the employment ends. Find out who you're going to talk to, whether it's me or someone else, when the job does end so that you're ready. As soon as you walked out on that Friday, you're ready to make that call or send that email to whoever's going to help you. So be prepared. If you're getting a feeling you're going to be let go, you're probably right. Don't mess with mama. I don't know what you or I came up with this one, you but did. it's going to be on a bumper sticker or a coffee mug coming to you real soon. Yeah. Right? I, am, am I going to have to pay you royalties yes, when I come up with the bumper absolutely. sticker? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if, Good if you know if, the law. If you see John driving around in a Ferrari, you'll understand that I'm paying him royalties with for your face uh, on the door. Yeah, that's right. That's a good idea. I like that. Uh, so, but don't mess with mama. And that's a rule of thumb. That, that is also common decency. But beyond that, what I mean by that is. If you have an employee that's on a maternity leave, by the way, it applies to Papa as well. If a father yep. on parental leave, you don't mess with them. Uh, you don't punish them. You don't let them go. You don't threaten them. You don't get upset because someone tells you I'm pregnant again. You don't get upset at a father that says, I have a newborn. I want to spend time. I'm going to take a parental leave. I understand that could be disruptive to business. I get it. I get it. But the law doesn't have a sense of humor when it comes to these things. The law doesn't give any leeway to employers. Uh, if you have an employee that's going to go on maternity leave, uh, parental leave, regardless of how you feel about that, how that's going to impact your business, you're going to do your best to continue running your business. You're going to be respectful to the employee. Mm-hmm. You're not going to punish them. And when they're ready to come back to work, you're going to take them back to the old job they had at the same pay, the same responsibilities. You're not going to keep their replacement and say, too bad, we don't want to hire you. What you're also not going to do is you're not going to let them go before they're ready to come back to work on the basis that I don't have a job for you anymore. You have to wait till the end of the maternity leave or the parental leave to assess whether you have a job for them. 
If if you do it too soon, then that that's wrong. That's illegal. If at the time they're ready to come back to work, legitimately there's no job. You've gone through a major restructuring or you lost a big client. At that point, you may be able to terminate with full severance. Not before then, not until then. Uh, you don't mess with mama. You don't mess with papa. Uh, again, the law is not going to give you any leeway. Another rule of thumb we hear about all the time, phone calls otherwise, a temporary layoff. No, no, they're illegal. Definitely a, a rule of thumb. If you've been laid off temporarily, that is improper. That is illegal in most instances, in most cases. And if you've been laid off temporarily, you can treat that as a termination. An employer does not have the, the basic or the inherent right to do that. So that is a rule of thumb. It's a very simple one. If you've been laid off, now I'm on a temporary layoff, but I'm not been, I haven't been let go. Yeah. My company says they're going to call me back. Uh, at some point and... Uh, sometimes. Sometimes, whatever. when they're ready, when they're busy or whatever that is. Maybe it's months down the road. You don't have to sit at home and wait for that. The rule of thumb is that is a termination. So your options are you can sit at home if you want. You can wait and see if they call you back. Or you can treat that as a termination now, leave with your full severance. And of course, if you're going to uh, not leave, or not treat it as a termination, yep. if you're going to sit at home, you're going to give the company the option to do it again, the right to do it again. And think about this uh, scenario. You come back from a temporary layoff, you work for a few months, and you go off for a few more months. You come back, you go off, not a way to work. So don't let that happen. If you've been put on a temporary layoff, in most cases, it makes sense to treat that as a termination. Because at the second time, now you don't want to do it, too bad. Yes. Too this, bad. Once they've done it, once you let them, the second time, now you're stuck. Now yeah. it is legal all of a sudden. It, the employer took what was otherwise illegal. You gave them the right to do it. Now it becomes legal, mm -hmm. and then you're stuck. You can't do it, so don't let that happen. Done for another week. Moving on, 1-855-821-5900 is the number for contact help at employmenthour.com, and we keep pumping it down uh, down your throat because you got to have it. you got to know it's severancepaycalculator.com as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour on Global News Radio.